Hello guys, welcome to the Venture Property Podcast or YouTube channel, depending where you are listening or watching this. Thank you very much for listening. I know that you're all really, really busy and it really humbles me that you take the time out of your day to listen to these and send me emails and whatnot, messages on Facebook about how great this was for you. So please keep them up because I like hearing them. Today, we are sponsored by Land Insight, which is the ultimate tool for people. I think we're all in the same boat. We're all in the, the same game. And when you're in property, you want to find more deals. Land Insight helps you do that. I know that I use it on an almost daily basis to look through my comps, to find land, etc., etc. If you're not subscribed to the podcast or the YouTube channel, let me ask you why the hell not? It's a cracking resource, I think. And But like I always say, if nobody listens to these, I'd still do them because I get so much out of them. And today, it's no exception, I have a very, very smooth gentleman on the podcast. Um, I've just seen the reaction on his face when I've said that. Um, I've always been worried about saying his name. I'm going to introduce him now, and that guy is Raouf. How are you doing today? Very well, Ryan. Thanks for asking. Fantastic. And, uh, pleasure to be here. Thank you. Why don't you just give people who don't know you a brief synopsis of who you are? Sure. Um, <clears throat> currently, so I'm the co-director of Great Charles London uh, with my business partner, Ben Butkus, which is really Benas Butkus, but he prefers being called Ben. Um, we've been in business together, I think, coming on to four years. So since the beginning of uh, probably mid-2015, give or take, primarily focused on PD schemes around the southeast. Um, we've completed, I think, about four schemes together. There's two, two on the go, and, and we complete on another scheme in July. So when I say complete, we acquire another scheme in July, not, not complete the actual build. Hmm. i historically been in banking most of my life, so uh, corporate banking, business banking, Barclays, Santander, all that fun stuff, which I tend to meet a lot of developers that have exactly the same background. Um, but yeah, that's it in a nutshell, really. Fantastic. I like it. Um, I actually remember meeting you two years ago when John Corey asked me to speak, and I was like, whoa, you two are smooth. <laughs> can see how you two get deals. So that is what we are here to talk about. Why don't you entertain the listeners with one of your favorite deals? Sure, I think, um, yeah, for, for the sake of just clarity, I'll, I'll talk about deals where we completed and exited. Yep. There's other deals that have been a little bit more interesting, but we're not, we haven't crossed the kind of finishing line, so things might change dramatically. So I'll be um, able to get you back on another episode to chat about one of those then. Yeah, love to, love to. Cool. Um, I'd say deals that I like and went well. So just prior to this deal, we completed on on eight new build flats, uh, which didn't go so well. The, the planning took about three three years, I think, give or take. And this was in Thetford. Yes, indeed. Wow. Um, we had Audi next door. We had to request right of way, and so on and so forth. On the upside, <laughs> talking about the good stuff, um, I think the coach house was an interesting deal, and that was a PD scheme. Um, so to be fair, Ben found it on on right move. Uh, we went to see the vendor, had a chat. The I think we managed to really acquire the deal. Let, let me, sorry, let me go back and give you a summary. So that was roughly about four thousand square feet, give or take, um, of office space. The aim was always to focus on PD at the time, um, and that's what we wanted to do. 
And so we we put an offer in like everyone else. The downside with the site was that the current tenants were not due to leave until another two years, which would have made it, I think, 2018 mm. at the time. And so we still went for it. We had a plan to obviously rent out the premises. We could have started some works on, on a small section of the uh, of the building. And I think the fact that the tenants were, were staying there put a lot of people off. Mm. Um, what or, or the magic bit in, in, in the deal is that the tenants, basically we had a few discussions and then we started talking about, you know, them being liable for repairs and, and the roof was, was a bit knackered and so on and so forth. And, and it was a very transparent conversation. We just wanted to be fair. But they, they got put off very quickly and decided to leave within, I think, 60 days. So... Wow result and yeah. i think that, that that particular factor by itself number one helped the the second factor is the um the floor plans were very outdated they were not very accurate so the, the reality i think it ended up being 3800 square feet give or take but it was advertised as, as 2900 or something of the sort mm-hmm. so the commercial agent was not great either and he was an old boy you know kind of just in retirement phase in the passenger seat, not massively fast. So those two factors, once we had a, um, a survey completed, yeah, it, it meant there was a lot more space to, to work with and we managed to work with our planner and architect to get six flats. And wow. so, that's so, you've, so you've seen this on right move and then what sort of happened from there? What was the thought process? Did Ben fire it over to you and say, what do you think to this one? And then you booked in a viewing? Yeah, I mean, it just looked a lot bigger than, than the, um, the floor plan, sorry, the, uh, the square footage mentioned. We tend to drive around the area first. So we were in the area locally or, or we'll book a day to look at a few sites within a specific ge- geographical area. Yeah. In this, it was um, Ellsbury in essence. So we looked at a few sites. We were looking at some other barn conversions, but we did have a walk around, and it was relatively attractive. Then we crunched some numbers based on the floor plan that we had, and it was kind of made sense, but not not great. We decided to proceed with um, with a viewing. So post viewing, when we had the thorough walk around, we could see there was a lot of potential there, and and hence while we had you know, we paid out of our own pocket in advance. Obviously, it could have been, I think, a grand, mm. 1,200 gone on a measured survey. But it ended up, um, yeah, obviously being quite rewarding to, and it made sense. Yeah, especially if you if you see that. I've seen that quite a few times with the with the commercial stuff. They, they tell you a square footage and you go in and go, this is never, that, yeah. that, it, no way. Uh, and I think sometimes it's, they don't they don't seem to want to go and upset the tenant. You know, if there's rooms they can't get in, they are, oh, don't worry about it. Um, yes, I agree. No, I agree. So, um, and it's never that precise. So so for us, yeah. as you know, every square inch counts. And um, yeah, it was definitely worthwhile. So Fantastic. So you're in this viewing right now, you're walking around. What are you, what are you thinking and what are you planning in your head? What are you thinking for the area? What are you thinking to put where? And what kind of, what are you thinking to change it to? Sure. I mean, the, the aim was always to change it to residential. The big question was how many units, number one. Secondly, how many, um, the size of the, the apartments, so one or two bedrooms, or do you go for micro flats? And I think all those questions, you've got 
two variables. I think most developers will focus on the GDV and, and try to squeeze as many units as possible to, to get the maximum GDV out of it. Mm -hmm. But the secondary factor is, is obviously the area. What does the area tend to cater? Is it the older generation? Is it new home buyers, small families? And I think in essence, if we went for kind of bonkers micro flats, really kind of tiny, it would have been around nine flats in total. Mm. But the, none of them would have sold because the area was, you know, didn't cater for that kind of uh, market. So therefore, we ended up with six two-bedroom flats. Sorry, uh, five two-beds and one one-bed. Yeah. But... Uh, reverting back to your question, it was primarily, you know, where the entrance is, how do you maximize the floor plan, where's the kitchen going to go? And, you know, I put my hand up, I'm, I'm probably not the best at visualizing. So we had a really good architect on board we brought in prior to exchange right. to have a walk around and a chat. Um, yeah, just to make sure it was feasible before progressing any further. Mm. Well, I'm really picking up from, from you and one of the reasons I really, really like you and, and and Ben and what you do uh, you've mentioned it a couple of times it's the area so you've driven around the area you've immersed yourself in the area and you just said it right there as well it's like well I could have done that to maximize the GDV but that that's never never gonna happen because it's no. I'm never gonna sell them um have you got any tips for people when they are looking around an area yeah I mean there's multiple things and don't get me wrong this is still a learning curve for myself mm. You know, the, the traditional go and speak to multiple estate agents, speak to the, you know, the, the estate agents that have been established for 15, 20 years. Mm. And, and the guys that have been there working there for that period of time and seen how the area is developing, whether there's network links, um, sorry, transport links to wherever else may be. So they may say to you, I've seen a massive change with university students or small mm. families, number one. But I think there's a lot of, um, databases that give you the average income of families the average age etc i can't remember the name of of the um the platform in question but i'll yeah i'll share that with you next time yeah we utilize some of those i think it was a couple of hundred pounds and it gives you a breakdown within a specific postcodes um what the average salary is number of families and, and so on and so forth wow so, yeah, those t tend to be quite handy. Obviously, speak to agents, see what the bigger developers are doing locally because you'd you might have to compete with them. I think we had um, Barrett's Homes down the road having a development, take into account how long it's going to take us to develop. When, when are their properties being launched? Are you competing with Barrett's in that sense, which hmm. you know, might make life a little bit more tricky? Um, but yeah, that, that was it really in essence, to be honest with you, just talking to people, I think. Yeah. I think it's, it's one of those things, isn't it? With, with mm. property it's, and then you do this very, very well. It is relationships. You know, the, the stronger your relationships are with people, the, yeah. the, not the easier property will be, but you can gather more information quickly to make an informed decision, um, and, and move that move that forward on on deals and I, I think there's no substitute for that as well get on the phone you know agents want to help you and people in that area do want to help you and I think it's it is all about that relationship and it does talking to you as well and hearing that and also speaking to other successful people that theme comes through and you can just 
you can just see it and sense it. So this deal, you you offer on this deal, it gets accepted. How how was this deal funded then? Um, so the deal was funded via an investor. We had an investor to you know to be transparent, the court, all of the equity really. Yep. We didn't have a massive mask in the game, but we had good relationships with our the primary lender in place. We had a good relationship with the investor. And, and had a thorough discussion about it. Um, one thing I would say with investors, I think it's, it's about if in, in this scenario, we had a 50-50 joint venture in place. Um, it's just to be completely transparent. And, and a joint venture means a collaboration. And some people, you know, when you're desperate for money and starting off, and it happens to the best of us, I think you, you become the service provider and either the investor bosses you around or they completely disappear and expect X return. But a joint venture means you, you're taking part of the risk. Mm. So we were very clear about that. Lucky we had someone very understanding who's invested in property previously, understands the cycle, understands the fact that there might be secondary exit, understands the fact that the market will change. We'll have to hold on to the properties longer than, than expected and refinance. Um, but yeah, the short answer to your question was, yeah, an investor with a kind of 50-50 joint venture agreement. Mm. I think you answered that question absolutely spot on there. That's, I love that answer. That is a very, I like, I like what you said. And I specifically like the part around, you know, we've all jumped in and then expected and then been bossed around. Um, and, you know, that's, that's not where we really want to be, is it? No. Um, so, what happened during the refurb then on this property? Oh, I love that face. This is going to be good, isn't it? No, I think it's it's always fascinating, regardless of the amount of planning that goes ahead, experience <laughs> of your builders, your planners. You know, things always tend to go massively, not massively wrong, but there's always delays and, and the unforeseen. I think one thing I have to mention about PD schemes, they're, they're great in terms of the time frames. 56 days to get planning. You're not waiting around for months on end. Mm. But the downside of PD schemes, you don't know what you're getting. So you may start off with X and then the unforeseen happens, whether it's rotten beams, severe damp. Um, in our case, we had to change the roof, which we were not expect of doing. Yeah, so that was, that was fun. Um, so when the building warranty company came around and said look this this roof is not going to pass you'll have to change it so that was an extra forty thousand pound that had to go towards yeah that's not bad though for a roof is it yeah we we utilized one of the contractors we used on about six jobs and he was the main contractor on the on the site Hmm. so i think you know he keeps saying to me it was really cheap and i I'm always going to disagree to because <laughs> you're not paying for it. You're yeah. you're sending them the money for that roof, exactly. But I think no, you're right. It, it was it was reasonable for what it was. Um, but that that was unforeseen. Number one. Secondly, um, the biggest issue that we had was just utility connections. So UK power networks on electrical. Um, obviously, the supply was not sufficient to cater for six flats. We had an MEP on board who was tasked with dealing with the connections and, and kind of taking care of everything. But he wasn't, I think, he didn't keep his eye on the ball and we failed to um, to pay attention to the details. So what tended to happen, we paid UK Power Networks for the connection. 
I think it was in, in January at some stage and, and there was delay after delay after delay. Um, and then the pricing changed. It was supposed to be £11,700 for the actual connection and then they changed it to 20000 And we're like, that's not going to happen. But this was due to, again, just an error in-house. So once we logged the complaint, spoke to someone a lot more senior that reviewed the, uh, the connection that required to take place, they, they were relatively easy going, reverted back to the £11,000, but it took about four months worth of complaining, screaming and shouting before it was done. Um, so yeah, that, that's, that was kind of a massive learning curve for us, utility connections. Mm. There's no alternative, there's not no, anyone else you can go, go to. So yeah, anyway, I'm sure you've, you've been through your fair share of <laughs> utility providers in that sense. I hate them. <laughs> you know, I, uh, I was chatting to a guy actually when I was doing one who mm. uh, was retiring from the utility company. And he, I said, oh, why, why are you retiring? He said, I'm going to set a company up. I said, all right. He said, yeah. He said, because I speak to people like you all the time and they hate it. They hate us guys. So I've decided I'm going to set a company up where you pay me and I will handle the gas, water and electric. I said, oh, fantastic. Soon as you're set up, ring me. He yeah. rang me after about six weeks. He rang me again. He said, I'm out. I'm not doing it. I can't handle it. <laughs> I was like, oh, right, okay. So during this refurb, everything everything else go to plan other than the, the roof and the the uh, utilities? To be honest, yes. I think uh, the contractors started, I think, just the first week of January. Honestly, they were done by, um, I think it was May, kind of completed to a high spec, yeah, May, wow. May June. May, yeah, June, June at the latest, where you could actually bring people around to have a look. So the contract, contractor side was great. We thought, hey, you know, we're, we're ahead of the game. And then you lose three, four months waiting for utility connection. Yeah. That was massively painful. So is that what happened? It was nearly sort of done, and then the utilities just dragged on and on and on. Yeah, so... Obviously, at first fix, we thought the utility connection would be done. Then we said, all right, let's wait a little bit longer. And then, you know, the, the contractor said, look, we'll find a way. Let's just complete the flats. I'm sure we can find a way to do it. And, you know, things had to come to a halt. So the finishing touches, we had to wait for the utility connection. And long story short, yeah, we, we just sat on our backsides for a little while waiting for the guys to, to get going. Because the time frames we were given at the beginning were not were not accurate, and you know I, I don't know maybe you know better than me, but unless you're taking legal action, etc. But that doesn't that doesn't get you the required result. It's, it's yeah, it might satisfy your ego, but it's not going to provide you with the right results. I think. Yeah, and I think next time you ring them up and they know your name, that you're going to have a real fun conversation yeah. with them, aren't you? Um, I hope so. It's uh, utilities are just the they are. The, just a horrible, horrible thing. So those uh, those contractors were in, they were quick by the sounds of things. So now you're at the, the sort of end. What happened? What were the end results on this this project? Um, so at the end, we Brexit kicked in and all that fun stuff. And, and this is, again, as you know, development is a long game and, and almost you have to look at your crystal ball. So we started off, just to give you an example, that. The, the largest two-bedroom flat was advertised at 265000 That 
nearer to the end was was down to 220 i think give or take yeah yeah so so that was quite a kick in in, in the nuts to say the <laughs> least. yeah but i think the uncertainty that took over with brexit and obviously the um anyway the results of the vote and so on made life a little bit more difficult what we managed to do is, is sell three of the flats uh, we held on to an, another three, which we had to refinance. The deal was still very profitable, even after refinancing, mm-hmm. paying back our, uh, our, our investor. But it just, yeah, it just meant it wasn't as profitable as we thought it would be. But, you know, we, we were above the, the, the required margins. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you've got to be cautious of that. And I think always have, have a buffer in place of things going wrong, increased build costs. The market changing on you and and so on and so forth but this is why i think if we had someone you know fixed loan that we had to give someone fixed returns that wouldn't have worked yeah so people are fond of that you might give someone 15 or 20 percent but they're not a jv partner they expect their money when when things are when, when the time is up so you've got to be very cautious of balancing the two unless you've got a lot of certainty on your secondary exit strategy you're refinancing and you can pay them back quite easily You've got to be very careful, and sometimes it helps to have a partner that's that's well, an investor that's quite understanding to um, yeah, to go through the thick and thin with you. Mm. And I think there, do you know what? Just just to everybody, little exercise right now yeah. in your own head. Think about a project. Think about the profit on that project, and then if you split that with a JV partner, right, and then do that exact same thing, and then apply a private loan percentage mm-hmm. to that. And I bet they're not that different. No, no. Because no, the, the percentage that you're loaning at, I mean, most most loaners, my, the guy, I use a guy for private loaning if I really need to, it's 1% a month, 1% in, 1% out, and 1% a month. Yeah. Expensive. And if you yeah. compare that to a JV, yes, you're giving away more, but the difference isn't isn't that much, and like you said, they're through the thick and thin with you. Um, yeah. What I really like about what you've been saying as well is the detail that you've you've clearly gone into early doors. So you're thinking about this exit, this exit, secondary exits, mm. and you're you're vocalising them as well. Does that come from the the banking background? Are you always <laughs> protecting that downside? Um, yeah, I think the the core of it is the same so when we used to do lending or look at review of business and things of that nature you always look what security do you have in place so if all fails you know what what can the bank get back or what can you what, what can you give the investor uh serviceability of, of the loan so if you, you don't manage to sell to pay back the loan can you refinance with a buy to let mortgage is there sufficient serviceability of the yields there for you to get a uh, buy to let mortgage for example so all that i think it's been a great foundation there's mm-hmm. there's no denying that kind of the corporate world gives you a lot of structure in in regards to what you're doing people skills and i used to you know meet with i don't know seven or eight business business owners a week whether it's coffees or on site and and it helps it does help because it just gives you an understanding of, of the inner working of of a company but furthermore they always tell you like everyone else they always tell you about the downside so, so things have gone wrong mm. clients that are not paying etc etc and, and you tend to keep that on board um 
but yeah, if I must be frank, I think within our property network and the people we know and, and events like, you know, John Corey's, etc. There's, there's a lot of honesty within the group and, and you tend, you know, I, I pay attention to what people say. So every horror story is, is kind of noted and, and learned from rather than just thinking, oh, it's not going to happen to me. It happens to the other guy or, or girl. But um, yeah, you've got to be quite cautious and, and very humble. Don't think that you know it all. Yeah, I, that's one of the reasons why I really like you. And as soon yeah. as I met you, I, that was screaming out to me. Uh, well, I think John John Corey attracts a certain type of person, doesn't he? Everybody yeah. seems to to share that sort of same goal. And I, I've got so much time for, for John, and I've, I've learned so much um, from John and the people yeah. he's introduced me. So thinking about that, learning them, what was the biggest lessons that you took away from this project? Um, I think utilities was, was one and that's stating the obvious, but the, the, the second one has probably been the, um, market conditions. So how, and, and honestly, it's, it's a silly thing, but, um, I speak to a lot of people very heavy on current affairs and the economy, etc. I've just always been fond of it. But I was quite adamant that Brexit would never happen just because of the upside. And some will disagree with me, but each to their own. Mm. Uh, and I think it's just, you know, I wasn't around, I wasn't developing 2007, 2008. So I don't understand that cycle. And, and I'm, the developers that I meet now obviously have learned their lessons throughout. But for me, Brexit, you know, another changes in, 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 in the kind of political field, you have to take that into account. Secondary exit, massively important. You know, knocking 10% off your sale price, 20% off the sale price. You've got to take all that into account. And I think 2015, 16, 17, things were going on just uphill. So most developers were quite happy. Yeah, there's another terminology, but it's it's too uh, <laughs> it's too naughty for for this show. But um, when things are going well, I, th- I think everyone can make a buck. It's, it's when things are going downhill is is where you know the, the real developers and, and people who've been around a long time kind of you really test their mustard in a sense. Mm. Yeah, I, I agree, and I think that we look like we are heading for those waters. So we need to be very, very, very careful. I mean, I'm seeing mm-hmm. bill costs just scary um at the minute i don't know about you but i've just had a i've just had a quote come in and i'm like whoa uh, where did you make those figures up from um but so you have been an absolute legend i think this i i love doing these and this is no exception i knew you'd be good uh, if people do want to get in touch with you what is the best way for them to get in touch with you Sure. Uh, massive fan of branding. Uh, my wife thinks it's excessive, but Instagram at Ralph Bell 40 uh, on Facebook, Ralph Bell Malud, uh, and Grace Charles London. If you Google Grace Charles London, will be on there. Um, also actively using LinkedIn now. So if you're on LinkedIn, please connect. I'll be happy to have a chat. Um, and yeah, always happy to, to meet up with people for coffee and, and see what people are up to. Yeah. And just a note on your Instagram as well, guys. His Instagram story is wicked. You are in my top. <laughs> when you go on, you're in my top few. Uh, you put some wicked stuff up. I try. I try. I did learn a lot from you know Nicole Bremner. To give credit where credit is due, Nicole's always uh, 
yeah, she's been really good at branding and, and quite inspiring, to be honest. So, yeah, I've got to give her credit. Yeah, she's flying. So I'm going to let you go now because I know that you are a very busy man. Thank you so much for coming on. Pleasure. Thanks, Ryan. Look after yourself.